Let's pray. God, I pray that um, we would be in this moment. May we just be here. Not thinking about football, not thinking about life or stresses. That we would be here with you, with brothers and sisters, to understand your word so that we can grow, so that we can know you more. So set us free, Father. I do pray that you would give us eyes to see today, minds to comprehend, hearts with fertile soil, ears to hear, and Father, feet that are willing to obey. Give us that boldness today. In Jesus' name, amen. I do need to pray for more boldness for myself. Um, several weeks ago, you guys heard about some of the success stories in my life of where God has shown up, right? Um, I've been beating myself up the whole week as I was at um, Kroger. And I walked past this woman and she had on a hood. And I felt like God wanted me to share something with her. And um, it was so direct and poignant that I didn't have the boldness to do it. So pray for my boldness as well, right? It was very direct and poignant. And I waffled, and then I walked through Kroger, and I said, God, if you want me to talk to her, then do this or do that. And it just felt as I left, him just saying, Joey, you know my voice. Sheep, sheep, uh, sheep know the shepherd's voice. So um, pray for that boldness as well, and I can relate to needing that boldness and wanting that boldness. So God, make us bold, amen? Give us feet who want to be bold. Today's message, if there is a title, which I guess on the website there is, Eyes to See. You guys are familiar. Um, every week I do pray about our minds and our hearts and our ears and our feet, right, and our um, mind, ears, heart, feet, right, all those things. I pray about that because it is important. Having eyes to see is paramount. But last week, what we ended up learning about was this, is a firm foundation that we sit on as believers. We are seated with Christ. Amen? Right now, we are seated with Christ. Right now, you are chosen and desired by God. That's exciting. We are adopted into his family. We are redeemed from our sin and death. He brings us into the plan that he has for the world and his life. And the one that I didn't, did not mention last week that we will talk about more today is he promised us the Holy Spirit as a deposit. As believers, he sends the Holy Spirit to us as a deposit. And what a deposit means is it not only gives us a foretaste of what heaven will be like, but it also means that he's going to come back and get what's his. So we are, uh, have the Holy Spirit as a deposit. Now, I don't know about you guys, but there's been many times that I've been driving with a passenger, a specific passenger. And the specific passenger is Macy. Most usually, my focus is on the road, the cars, the signs, the conditions, 
the lane I'm in, and whether the person in front of me is from church or not, because that determines whether I pass them or not. <laughs> it's like, that might be a church member, I better just, I mean, they're going 63. So if I pass them, because look, how many of you guys, when you pass someone on the highway or on the road, you look at them? Anyone in here look at them? If you don't look at them, you can't be trusted. You have to make eye contact with them just because. So that's what I'm focused on, making sure that we get my vehicle, our vehicle, from point A to point B. Macy, on the other hand, typically does two things. Number one, she just goes to sleep. She just, if she can, she's out. Whatever, I get to listen to my podcast now, right? Number two, if she's not sleeping, what she ends up doing is she's, she's looking at the nature. You pass a field, she's looking for deer, she's looking for chipmunks, she's looking in the sky for bald eagles. You pass a river, she's looking for flying fish. She's looking for things. And in my sermon, I love you guys too much, one of the things as a driver that you always hate is when the person screams about the squirrel 800 yards ahead of you. I was going to scream in my notes, but I figured I asked for you guys to donate money for carpet. So I wanted to make sure that we're all alive after today. But Macy will scream about the deer or the squirrel or the duck or the possum or the bald eagle to make sure that I don't hit it. Now, she has kept us from many accidents. Amen? I would have ran through a bunch of deer because I'm worried about the road. My focus is narrow. But with a helper, see where I'm going? With a helper, we get the big picture. So for us as believers, we have a focus. But we need the helper, which Scripture calls the Holy Spirit, to see the big picture. God, I need eyes to see today. We need the whole picture. So this week, what Paul prays is that the church in Ephesus would have spiritual eyes. Now, what does he want them to have spiritual eyes to see? Is the blessings that they already have. Last week, what Paul talked about was the foundation that we have as believers. Remember what they are? I talked about them. We are seated with Christ. We are chosen and desired. We are adopted into his family. We are redeemed and we are brought into his plan. What Paul is saying is that we need to have eyes to see these things because when we understand these perspectives and we see these perspectives, guess what? Our life completely changes. So we need eyes to see. And much of the church is dealing with what they're dealing with and frustration and hurt and anxiousness and depression and mental health and all these other things because they don't have eyes to see. Now, many of us um, in here, myself included, I guess deception works in this way. 
I don't think that I'm deceived, but that's how deception works, right? No one who's deceived thinks that they're deceived or it's not deception. Likewise, I think that I'm seeing clearly. But I can't just assume, here's my assumption. I don't see clearly. And here's another assumption, I'm deceived. Those are two assumptions that I have in my life. Because if I'm convinced that I see appropriately, I won't change. And if I'm convinced that I'm not deceived, I won't change. So what I'm convinced of is, is, is I can't see and I'm deceived. So I guess my point is this, is that um, if you think you have spiritual eyes, there's more. There's more to see. If you think you have the full picture, there's more. So the more I realize I don't know, yeah, the more I realize I don't know as much as I thought. The older I get, the more I realize I don't know as much as I thought. And the less I realize that I know, the more I ask to see. And the more I ask to see, the more I realize that I have. And the more I realize the have, the fuller I feel in life in him. The more I realize I have, the more complete my life becomes. Paul wants us to understand who we are and what we have. And to do that, we must ask to have eyes to see. Yet we uh, don't do this alone. We do this with the helper, the Holy Spirit. So the cure for bad eyes, point one, Ephesians chapter 1, if you have your Bibles, if not, it will be on the screen. Verses 13 and 14. The cure for our bad eyes is the Holy Spirit. Here we go. Verse 13. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. So we need the Holy Spirit. It was sent as a deposit for us. But Paul also tells the Corinthians something similar. Here it is, 2 Corinthians 2, 21 through 22. Now, it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our, our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. God has put his spirit in our hearts. That is the cure. That is how we have eyes to see. That is the cure for not seeing the world as it is. That is the cure for not seeing our situation the way that it is. That is the cure for depression, anxiousness, fear, worry. That is what gives us the ability to be bold. It's his Holy Spirit. The cure for eyes to see 
is the Holy Spirit. And this is one of the greatest gifts that we have. One of the greatest gifts that you and I have as believers is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, according to this passage, is a seal or a deposit that guarantees our inheritance. When we are born again, when we put our faith in him, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us as a deposit. Do you guys remember the story in the book of Numbers when the spies went into the promised land to see if it was good? Moses is sending people into the promised land to check it out. Now, if you don't remember the story, here's some cliff notes from Numbers 13. Uh, Moses sends some uh, men to explore the land of Canaan. Moses told them to see what it was like. And Moses had questions for them. He's sending spies, so here's what you need to return with. Kind of like Macy sending me into the store with a grocery list when it's negative 30 out. Here's what I need from you. Here's the questions that Moses had. Are the people there strong or are they weak? How many people do they actually have? Is the land good or bad? Are, are there towns? Are the towns walled or are they fortified? Or sorry, unwalled or are they fortified? Is the soil fertile or is it poor? Are there trees there? Is there fruit? Finally, he said, since there's fruit, I believe, bring back some fruit from the land. I want to see it. I want to taste this fruit. So Moses sends the spies out, right? And the spies' report was the following. To show how good the promised land was, they cut off, according to Scripture, a single cluster of grapes that was so big that two people had to carry it with a pole between them. A single cluster of grapes with a pole between them walking. That's how good the promised land was. Likewise, the Holy Spirit serves as a foretaste and a deposit fully guaranteeing our inheritance in our promised land. So the spies went in to check out the promised land. They were going to see what was going on there. Likewise, the Holy Spirit is a deposit for you and I. It's a foretaste of the promised land that is to come. Our promised land is heaven for eternity. That's exciting. Though the Holy Spirit is many things, I want to focus on how the Holy Spirit leads us into all truth. This is important for you and I. This is important for our nation. This is important for interpreting an election year. We can be at peace this year. Many of us aren't. Amen? We can be at peace this year. The reason why we can be at peace is when God gives us eyes to see. We can be at peace when a diagnosis doesn't come our way. We can be at peace when finances are not perfect. We can be at peace through everything because we have the Holy Spirit in our life and he leads us into all truth and gives us eyes to see. So my focus today is how the Holy Spirit guides us into all truth or how about this, how the Holy Spirit gives us eyes to see.
John 16, 13 says this. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. John says that the Holy Spirit will guide us into all truth, meaning we will have eyes to see and will cut through all the lies in our life. Paul similarly writes to the Corinthians again, 1 Corinthians 2, 9 through 12. However it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. Verse 10. These are the things that God has revealed to us by his spirit. The spirit uh, searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who, know, who knows a person's thought except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Verse 12. What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. So Paul is saying we get this understanding. We get these eyes to see if what? We have the Holy Spirit in our lives. But he not only says that, he then proceeds to say the Holy Spirit is giving us wisdom and understanding of what we already have. And here's what I think we all can admit to is maybe for a lot of our life, maybe post-COVID, it just seems like because life is so, take your schedules out, life is really busy right now. And life is so busy because there's just this constant influx of information coming into our minds, right? Just constant influx of, you can, one person will tell you bananas are really good for you, and then the next person will tell you that if you eat too many bananas, that they're bad for you. One person tells you an apple a day keeps the doctor away, and then a dentist will tell you don't eat the apple because you might chip a tooth. And there's just so much information about food and politics and sports, and we're so distracted that we forget about the promises that we have. We don't have eyes to see the promises that God has given us because we're so distracted. And what God and what Paul is saying here is, look, if we have eyes to see and we partner with the Holy Spirit, all this stuff is just going to be pushed away. These things aren't going to matter in our life anymore. Paul is telling the Corinthians, one of the reasons we have the Holy Spirit is that we can understand or for the sake of the sermon, we can have eyes to see what God has freely given us. And just as a reminder, the third time today, here's what God has already given us as believers. We are under God's grace. We are seated with Christ. We are chosen and desired. We are adopted into his family and we are redeemed. We are brought into his plan, and now we are sealed. Those are the promises that we need to understand. Those are the promises that Paul is saying that when you have the Holy Spirit, you will see them, and you will have contentment in your life. And if I'm honest, I do not see a church 
not only this church, not only me as a part of the church, but the big kingdom church, meaning other believers around the world, I do not see them carrying the contentment of Christ. I see them being blown by the wind of what the TV's telling them is happening. About the election, about finances, about interest rates, about who's going to be, yeah, who's going to be the president, about what next, uh, what, what the next pandemic is or what the next plandemic is, whatever your opinions are, right? I see a church that is frantically anxious and worrying and frustrated and opinionated and division is taking place when Paul is saying, hey, you have all these things. Chill out. Take a breath. Relax. Enjoy yourself. Don't worship yourself. Enjoy yourself. Having this understanding through the Holy Spirit is how we get to see the more. This is how we stop playing church. Here's what I recognize. is There's some Sundays you come in here and it's like, worship team laid a dud. That's like very, very few times. There's more times you come in here and like, what was Joey talking about? Was he talking to himself? What was he talking about? And you're like, he laid a dud. And sometimes I do. And sometimes the worship team might. But here's what I recognize is each week the word of God is presented from the pulpit. Scripture is presented. And I, I just think that if, if we come with expectation and anticipation, if we come with these eyes to see, God will move in a great way. So he gives us eyes to see and this is how we quit playing church. There's more. There's more. There's more than what we have experienced. There's more than what we know. And again, if you came in here today, or if you came in here last week, or coming in here next week, if the world is still a thing, if you come in here and you say, I have all the answers, then you're never going to see. This is how we stop playing church. This is how we experience the reality of him, is to have spiritual eyes through the Holy Spirit. But we must ask God to give us spiritual eyes, point two. Today, you have to earnestly ask him. You can't just assume that when you become a Christian that then automatically you start seeing things. You start um, living completely appropriate. What God wants from us is that when we become a Christian, like, it's like there's this lie in Christian world almost that once you become a Christian or get married to God, then you just live as you want. And I'm not talking about living reckless. It's just like, well, I don't have to do anything now because I've done it all. No, the reason why you commit to Christ, the reason why you put your faith in Christ is because you want to do life with him every second, every minute, every hour of every day. Isn't that why you gave your life to Christ? Like, remember from the book of Revelation when I asked you the question, do you want to go to heaven because your friends and family members are there, or do you want to go to heaven because Jesus is there? Until our heart says, I want to, like, both reasons are good. But God wants us to go there because 
His son is there because he is there. Do you want to escape hell because you want to go to heaven or do you want to escape hell because you want to be with Jesus? I want to be with Jesus. So likewise, when we come into this relationship with Christ, it's not that, it's not that we just get this epiphany of the world and we start seeing things different. When we put our life in Christ, it's an invitation to then start to follow him. And then when we start to follow him and we get rid of things in our life and we start to obey him and when we read the scriptures and, and um, I read the scriptures and he says in Matthew 6, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things will be added unto you. When I seek him, when I pursue him and I read that scripture, then I begin to see how the decision of this or that no longer makes any sense. So we must ask him daily and consistently. And we're going to get to that. God gives us the ability to have spiritual eyes, but to unlock this ability, he needs a participating vessel. We must participate. Ephesians 1, 15 through 17. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking, you see that's underlined, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. So what I see here in the scripture is this is I have not stopped asking, giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayer. So Paul is asking God something, right? But then again, in verse 17, what does it say? I keep asking. Paul asks again. He's emphasizing, I'm praying, and I keep asking. And then again, what's he asking? That God would give you spiritual wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. So revelation comes after earnestly asking and repeated asking. So revelation and asking go together. Do you guys see that? Revelation comes after earnestly and repeatedly asking. And where the church fails, where I fail, where we fail, is we ask God once and then we give up. Revelation and asking go together like peanut butter and jelly. Come on now. Revelation and asking go together like macaroni and cheese. Revelation and asking go together like bacon and everything. Everything. I knew I was going to get you on that one. I set you up. Some of us yesterday, Macy and Olivia... Um, who, well, Cody was invited, but he had better things to do. Um, we went running yesterday just to show Pac was invited. He had better things to do. <laughs> yeah, he's not crazy. So we said we're going to show Mother Nature that we're not going to let it keep us from running. So a group of us went to the Urbana Park. We ran three miles, and then we went to Farmer's Daughter. <laughs> right? Now you're like, now where's this story going? Here's where the story went. Macy ordered extra bacon. 
So here's what they did. Literally, farmer's daughter gave her like a pound of bacon on her plate. But then I think they accidentally gave her extra bacon on the plate and then extra bacon again. So then she got a, I think she prayed for her. I think she had a pound and a half of bacon. So for Macy, it's not bacon and eggs, it's bacon and everything. Dipping it in jelly, drinking it, using it as an orange juice straw. I mean, she was, she had a quart of orange juice too. Bacon and everything. The Holy Spirit, right? So revelation comes with asking. Paul knew that spiritual sight doesn't come from natural wisdom or intelligence. And I'm telling you this, our church and your spiritual life in this world is not going to change because the church is offering too much wisdom from themselves and their intellect from themselves. We don't need man's wisdom. Y'all don't need my wisdom. Man's wisdom, what did it do? It sent us to hell. Man's wisdom was sending us away from God. And for us to see revival and something new within this nation, we need his wisdom, amen? Yes, amen. So for us to have spiritual eyes and truly know the promises of God, it will require his help. But we must be people who truly desire to know him more. So ask yourself that question this week. Do you truly desire to know him more? If you look at what I've highlighted in this passage, I have not stopped. I keep asking. Paul constantly was asking God to give the Ephesians spiritual wisdom so that they could know God more, so that they could see clearly. So you and I must be devoted to asking. Matthew 7, 7 through 11. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find Knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. To the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your sons asked for bread, would give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, would give him a snake? If then, uh, if you then, Though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask? So in everything, do to others what you, have, um, what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Now the gospel of Luke would share that same story, but it would add a little bit to it. Luke eleven thirteen would say this. If you then, though you are evil, know how to uh, give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? How much more will God give you the Holy Spirit if you ask him to his children? God wants to give you a good gift today. God wants to give you the Holy Spirit to give you eyes to see Minds to comprehend, hearts with fertile soil, feet that want to run with obedience. So these two gospels are telling us if we ask with a sincerity, God will give us the Holy Spirit. If we ask him, he will give us spiritual revelation, 
we will have eyes to see. The issue is many Christians don't seem to want to know God more. We say we do. We think we do. But it would appear that we are more content with blurry vision. It's like you ask God once and you don't see the result that you want, so then you quit asking. Anyone ever been there? There was um, a time that, um, yeah, I just had a friend who thought that God only answered my prayers. I said, no, God doesn't only answer my prayers. I just keep on asking him. I just keep on asking, right? Now, there's certain prayers you, we don't receive because we ask with the wrong motive, right? Nevertheless, we need to give God more than one chance. Peter makes this notion in 2 Peter uh, 5 through 11 that we need to make every effort to add to our faith. But he says this in verse 9. 2 Peter 1, verse 9. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. So what I'm getting at is there's this idea of we want to have spiritual eyes. We can't just coast. Amen? We can't coast as Christians. Because what do we know about coasting? When you coast, we've all heard it, that means you're going downhill. We don't want to go downhill because since the beginning of um, kids' class back there, down meant hell, right? So we don't want to coast to hell. We want to go up. So this idea of we can't coast, we have, to, we have to ask God for spiritual eyes. And now Peter's telling us, but whoever does not have uh, them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. People who coast rather than press on become spiritually blind and forgetful. The only way we can uh, not coast is to ask God for wisdom and revelation daily. If we're not asking him for wisdom and revelation daily, then there's a coasting in our life. We must keep knocking on his door. Are you knocking on his door today? Not just, I think we should ask him about the purchase of a car, about the purchase of a house, of whether we should get married or not, who we should marry or not, right? I think we should ask him for that. But what Paul is saying is there's a deeper wisdom that God wants to give you. There's a deeper wisdom. And in that deeper wisdom, guess what? It gives me the boldness to be willing to talk to that woman at Kroger. It gives me the boldness to be willing to share the gospel wherever I am. But you say, okay, I'm going to ask for the Holy Spirit. It's going to give me eyes to see. But, but what is the benefit what is the benefit of having spiritual eyes? And that's where we're going to stay today and finish. What is the benefit of having spiritual eyes? Ephesians 1, 18 through 21. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his people, and his in, uh, incomparable great power for us who believe. The power is the same as the mighty strength. He exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above 
all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. So the benefit of God giving us spiritual eyes is that you may know the hope to which he has called you. How many of you guys know the hope, have complete understanding of the hope that he's called you? I know some of it, but I want to know more of it. During this day and age, because of the increased wickedness, many people don't seem to be able to see their hope. Most people I talk to don't see their hope today. They can't see their hope. They get so stuck on an offense or a frustration or unforgiveness or, again, bringing bringing it up again, their political opinion. We get so stuck on these things that we don't have hope anymore. In church, I want to tell you, there is a reason to have hope today. People have lost hope because what is right is wrong, and what wrong is right. And what's wrong is right. Seriously, you just have any conversation with anyone, and you're, they're like, well, what's, what's the point? Because... What's the point of releasing these documents about a certain called list? What's the point of trying to do this or do that? We've all probably said it within the past four years. What's the point? Participating church, anyone said what's the point in the past four years? All right. The rest of you are like, what's the point? (laughs) So you said it. Now we're all raising our hands. There's hope. There's hope. And when we say, what's the point about anything? We don't have his eyes. We have to fight against our emotions and our frustrations that's not giving us hope about his kingdom one day coming on earth as it is in heaven. In every situation, we have to fight and renew our mind. And what I see is people unable to look past the chaos and have peace because their hope, because their hope isn't in Christ. Their hope is in the world becoming what they want it to be. But Paul is telling the Ephesians, eyes that see or people who have revelation have hope. So I ask you, based upon your hope level today, do you have eyes to see? These are the questions we have to ask ourselves. And depending on the subject, I have hope for the Buckeyes next year. (laughs) I have hope. I don't have hope for the Lions today. (laughs) But what about some deeper things? What about some of those deep-rooted issues that only God and I know about me? What about the annoying person that you have in your life at, at work? that you just can't deal with? What about the deep-rooted marriage issues that you just haven't been able to work through? Even today, someone said they've been married almost 30 years. Uh, They made a joke. They said, I've been happily married 10 of them. (laughs) Or no, wait, was that it? Yeah. Essentially, yeah. Essentially, they said, I've been happily married 10 of them, 20 of them. Point being, we have to have hope. Nevertheless, um, so instead of the news dictating 
our hope instead of the media and the world dictating our hope? What Paul is saying is have eyes to see. Isaiah says this, 41 verse 10. Do not fear, for I am with you, and do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. There's hope in that, amen? Colossians 1, 27 says this. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. There's hope in there. Romans 15, 13, he is the God of hope. Titus 2, 13, we have blessed hope. Colossians 1, 5, we have hope stored in heaven. Why is the church unable to be hopeful? Why don't you have hope in your life? Why are you always depressed and frustrated and anxious and worrying and fearful? because you don't have eyes to see. And I'm not pointing a finger at a person. I'm saying when you get these moments in your life, when you feel hopeless, it's because you don't have eyes to see and you're deceived right now. And Paul is offering the remedy, the Holy Spirit in our lives to give us eyes to see everything that we already have. Because when we realize everything that we already have, we can't be hopeless. Or what we say is this, I recognize what I have, I'm spoiled, and I want more. Well, you get the more, and then guess what you do? You go be the prodigal son. You go waste it all. And by his faith, by his grace, hopefully you wake up next to the pig. You say, what am I doing here? Macy was waking up next to a pig yesterday, not me. <laughs> the food, the food that she was eating. I seriously thought she called someone. <laughs> I thought she called like a slaughterhouse <laughs> and just said, hey, more, more. You know when you're at Chipotle and they just skimp you on something and you just kind of be like. That's what she did to the waitress. I thought she was getting ready to go steal some ladies bacon too. Hope. We need hope. Who needs hope in here today? I need hope. The benefit of God giving us spiritual eyes is the riches of his glorious inheritance in his people. Paul desired for us to not just recognize our inheritance, but that God, but he wanted us to see that God has an unmeasurable immeasurable desire for his people. He wants his people to know that we are his inheritance. Some people look forward to receiving an inheritance one day of a lot of money. And they look forward to this day. I can't wait for me to receive this inheritance. But the creator of the universe, guess what his inheritance was? Guess what his inheritance is? You. The thing that God wants the most, that he looks forward to the most, is you. So no matter how bad your day is going, the creator of the universe wants me. The creator of the universe wants to 
fist bump me, dap me up, hug me, hold me, walk with me, talk to me, provide for me, care for me, all these things. I saw a recent video on YouTube where a kid was an addict. Someone asked him, they said, who's your, who do you look up to here on earth? And out of overflow, he said, I don't look up to anyone here on earth. Who could be looked up to here on earth? I look up to Jesus. But in this culture, we look up to Taylor Swift or LeBron James or who else do we look up to? I look up to uh, these YouTubers called More Than Farmers. I wish I could meet them one day. I'd be shaking in my boots. <laughs> if you don't know, More Than Farmers has a YouTube channel and they go to church here. They're kind of a big deal. <laughs> what do we desire? We desire an inheritance of finances or freedom, but Christ desired you. We don't have understanding of that. You know why we don't have understanding of that? Because we haven't asked for it. I need that understanding. When I have that understanding, guess what? I will not walk past this woman that God told me to go talk to. I will have the boldness. God's inheritance that he is so excited about is us. I can't believe it. This is a foundational belief that we need to have as believers. God wants to be with you. Deuteronomy 32 verse nine tells us this. The Lord's portion is his people. Jacob, his allotted inheritance. The Lord's portion is his people. You are his portion. He loves you so much that he gave up everything. Can you believe that? You know the sins that you've committed. You know how you feel inside. But God loves you. He gave up everything. Matthew 13, 44 says this. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all that he had and bought that field. Now, I've heard this taught in a way that people say, hey, when you find Jesus, give up everything that you have. Give up everything that you have and guess what? Follow him. And I agree with that teaching. But I also see this teaching from God's perspective. I also see Matthew 13, 44 from God's perspective. Here's the perspective. You are the treasure. And guess what? God sold everything in his joy so that you would be his. You guys see that in that story? The kingdom of heaven is like the treasure hidden in a field when a man found it. He hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all that he had. God went and sold all that he had for you because you are the treasure. What was the all that he sold? His son. To be murdered brutally on a cross. You are the treasure. God sold everything for his joy, foundational. We want the deep things of God. 
We want the Greek, the Hebrew. Why do we want the Greek and the Hebrew when we don't even understand the foundational things? Can we slow down as a church? Can we slow down as people? And until we do the foundational things right, not move on to the bigger things, foundationally, he loves us. So how can you walk out of church today and not be happy? You are loved by God. He sold everything for you. What else could you want? Why can't you be happy? Smile today. Have hope today. The benefits of giving or God giving us spiritual eyes. His incomparably great power for us who believe. Paul addresses the Ephesians' widespread fear and insecurity. We can relate. He's emphasizing that the solution lies in recognizing and harnessing the transformative power available to them. The word power here in the original language is uh, dunamis, and it's where we get our word dynamite from. But it means this, the power that we get, the power, this immeasurable power, this great power that God wants to give to believers it means this, inherent power residing in a thing by virtue of its nature. Power for performing miracles. Moral power and excellence of soul. It's the power that saved us, sustained us, empowers us, and will raise us to be with him. So what Paul is saying is he wants us to have eyes to see this power. He wants us to have revelation of this power that God has given us. Amen? The power keeps us believing when things get tough. It gives us the power to forgive and ask for forgiveness. It gives us the power to speak or it gives us the power to stay silent. It gives us the power to say yes or to say no. It gives us the power to think appropriately. We need this incomparable, uncomprehensible power from God. And how do we get it? We ask. The benefit, as we're wrapping up, the benefit of God giving us spiritual eyes is God's position far, uh, God's God's position far in all rule and authority. He's far above all of us, right? So in when, uh, yeah, in today's whole study, Paul has wanted the Ephesians to have revelation. I hope that we have revelation. And when we have revelation and we have eyes to see, everything changes. When we forget this, we miss the most important perspective Jesus has conquered sin, the world, the enemy, and even death. He rules from above. God is above everything today. He's far above everything today. God sees everything and rules everything. So what does that mean? We can trust him. God, give me eyes to see today that I can trust you. I'm going to butcher this. You guys have heard it. Um, I was actually talking to my brother the other day. 
and um, he had some thyroid issues, and they haven't fixed the thyroid issues. They feel like he has, what was it? Um, what do they think he has? Macy's saying this. She's the nurse. Um, Graves' disease. So they think he has Graves' disease, so it's messing up his thyroid. Uh, he has a bunch of kids, right, working. And um, a couple weeks ago, three weeks ago, they were walking into basketball practice, and he was carrying uh, one of his sons. And then it was so cold that one of his daughters was, like, shivering. So, like, girls do weird things when they're cold. Just note, note to self. So the girl's walking, and then she got cold, and she just starts doing this. She just stopped to shake. Don't stop to shake. Get in the door, woman. So he was walking behind her while she stopped to do one of these. Um, I want to see that at your wedding, Esther. <laughs> She's cold. So while uh, she stops, Sammy's right behind her, and then um, he trips over her, carrying one of the babies. So then while he's carrying one of the babies in the dad's mind, he says, okay, my son's head's going to hit the ground. So I have to do whatever I can to keep his head from hitting the ground. So he rolled and he hit his elbow and protected his son. Well, it ended up being that he completely fractured and broke his elbow. So for him, as I talk to him and I say, how are you feeling? Here's what he says. And this is the story that I'll butcher. He said it appropriately because it meant something a little bit more to him. He said, I heard, about, I heard this story of the old whatever, right? The old wise man. And the old wise man was a farmer. And while he was farming, um, his horse got sick. So for a couple weeks, he couldn't do some of the chores around the property as quickly as he wanted to. And he said, but not only did the horse get sick, a few weeks later, the horse ended up dying. So then my son started to help me. But when my son started to help me, some of the things in his life were suffering. So my son started to help me, and he started to do more work. Well, he ended up um, getting an irregular heartbeat, and he broke his hand. So then someone asked me, you're not making money. You have a hurt son. You lost your horse of 20 years. How do you feel about all this? And he said, I don't like it. It hurts. Well, a couple weeks later, that nation ended up going to war. And because of his son's irregular heartbeat and broken bone, he was unable to be drafted. So they asked the husband, how do you feel now? And he said, God works in mysterious ways. That's what Sammy said. Good for him, right? God works in mysterious ways. And sometimes what we don't understand is in our storm, because we don't have eyes to see, we don't understand what God is preventing us from. We don't understand the blessing that it is. Come on, somebody. I'm ready for you guys to be Pentecostal church. Just start running around this place. <laughs> Grabbing Laura's banners. Yeah. And then once you do it too much, I'm going to okay, settle down. Order. Order. <laughs> There's this interesting Bible example that most of you are familiar with. It's in 2 Kings 6, 15 through 17. One of the key Old Testament Bible figures wakes up. 
He wakes up, and when he wakes up, he's surrounded by enemy armies. Elijah. He's surrounded as a world and as a nation. Here's what I believe. Not getting too political. Because I don't believe that battles with flesh and blood. I believe what scripture says, that the battles with powers and principalities in the unseen world. Here's what I believe. I believe that as a nation and as a world, we have been surrounded by powers and principalities in the unseen world. And we see that through the decisions of government. Talk about, if you want to set up a coffee meeting, we can talk later. I believe that. We are surrounded. We need eyes to see. Elijah wakes up and he's surrounded by powers and principalities, physical people who want to kill him. He wakes up one morning and sees that he's surrounded by enemy horses and chariots. His assistant asked him this, boss, what are we going to do? Do you see all these people out here that are going to kill us? We are outnumbered. Well, 2 Kings, Elijah's response, 6, 16 through 17. Here's what he says. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elijah prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Whose eyes are you using today? Your eyes or his eyes? Do you have God's perspective? Or do you have your perspective? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid today. Our treasure's not here. Those who are with you are more than those who are with them. God is ruling and reigning above all today. He sees all. He knows all. Everything that happens in this life has to go through his filter. And I'm not saying you can't be brokenhearted. We can be brokenhearted. But in that broken heart, he will meet you. So God is ruling and reigning above all. And today, if we just ask him, if we simply just ask him to open our eyes, we could see. Just as Elijah prayed, we could see. Our whole world would change. So I say this, the cure for bad eyes, the cure for the lack of hope, the cure for not having spiritual revelation is to ask God for his Holy Spirit. So that's what I wanted to do today. Let's uh, close our eyes. Father, we just sit here and wait for you. We just, we just wait.
Father, how would you like us to respond to you? I just feel him saying it's deeper than just the congregation standing up. It's deeper than just the congregation sitting down. There's just something here deeper this morning about eyes to see. So, Father, I pray that you would help us know what this deeper thing is. Father, I pray that we would repent where we have trusted our own eyes. So just um, in this moment, ask him to give you eyes to see. Amen. 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 Mm -hmm. So, Father, we just corporately ask you. We sincerely ask you. And this isn't the last time we're going to ask. But we ask you to give us your Holy Spirit to give us eyes to see. Yes. Father, I pray for the congregation that you would allow them to see. Father, I pray that you would protect us from the schemes of the enemy even as we leave. Father, every age group represented in this church Give them eyes to see. Those who are not here today, give them eyes to see. Father, we even pray for our communities. Give them eyes to see. In Jesus' name, amen.